I'm Kelly Harrell, author, animist, and creator of the Weekly Rune. Solentent Arts is my soul-tending practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, actionable animism, soul-tending, and how all of those intersect through sacred activism on my path. The Weekly Rune is out, and if you're not sure what it is, it's a runecast that I've done for years focused on the runic calendar and the current half-month rune. You can find the archive of all of the runecasts on my site, solentonarts.com, and if you're not sure what a half-month is, listen to the early episodes of What in the Weird, or just go read the Weekly Rune at Solentent Arts. It's explained at the beginning of every runecast. I want to thank all of my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the RuneCast and this podcast possible with their financial support. If you'd like to support the Weekly Rune, you get access to the full RuneCast, no ads, more details on the RuneCast, weekly prompts for engaging the half-month rune in your personal work, and a Galder recording for how to work with the Weekly RuneCast through chanting. You can contribute as little or as much as you'd like, and the rewards scale according to what you'd like to receive. And if you don't want any rewards, you just want to show your support, you're welcome to do that. Go to patreon.com and search for The Weekly Rune. You can also subscribe to the free version of The Weekly Rune by going to soulintentarts.com. And thank you so much for doing that. In the last episode, I talked about coming up on the end of the runic year, that would be now, and changing the podcast a bit to take our dialogue a bit deeper. To that end, I noted in the current weekly rune that I'm intentionally steering away from rehashing the traditional runic meanings in the posts, not because I have any conflict with them, not because I think I know better than a billion years of antiquity and a culture that I can only grasp at. No, it isn't that. It's because we've done that already. I've been doing that for years, and I have years of archives on my website that you can go back into and read all the literal translations about the runes that you want to, not to mention all the bajillion websites that are now all of a sudden focused on runes. But my focus in rune lore is to keep it relevant to how we live and through doing that to bring them forward as sacred activism. To me, they are the keys to animistic life. And I want to reflect that more in the weekly rune and this podcast by incorporating some of the seasonal rituals in my book, Runic Book of Days, into our relationship building. So if you don't have the book, Fehu is a good time to get it. That's now. It's the start of the runic year, and you can find the book at all online bookstores and through brick-and-mortar ones. Do we still have those? Sob. Where the book focuses on devotionals for readers to do the self-work that the Elder Futhark presents naturally in season, I want to explore the community calls to action that result from having done that work. 
but don't fear, I'm still down for bringing in the lesser discussed nuances of how the traditional interpretations apply now. So that's where we're going to begin this episode. Everybody talks about fehu as wealth, assets that must be tended. And for most of us, assets don't just grow themselves. They don't just fall into our laps. But anybody who's ever had an asset knows it can be lost in a heartbeat. And that elusiveness makes fehu an uncomfortable topic. Like, you know, we always talk about it from the top looking down. But we don't ever really talk about what it looks like when you're struggling. That makes people uncomfortable with Fehu. Spoiler alert, I'm about to make it even more uncomfortable. We always talk about Fehu from a place of having because it represents the time of year that we've planted everything that's growing. It, it, that's, that's what we did all through Degas leading up to summer solstice and prior. We went through our planting phase so that it would feed us now in the time of Fehu. It's growing. We can see it. We may have even already sampled it. I want to think for a second about wealth and Fehu in its old Norse cultural context, which was, of course, communal. It was tribal. Some folks in the community may have had more assets than others, yet the community as a whole made up for any difference. Those who had more carried more responsibility to the community. What a fucking concept, right? This was sacred duty. It was sacred balance. You don't let your community fall, period. No matter how much you have compared to some other individual or some other family, you don't let the community fall. And the balance of that is partly what has continued to generate personal assets. Having that communal net to fall back into is what allowed people to have personal assets to begin with. Circular, yes. Well, it ain't like that now. We don't have a community that will catch us if we run low on assets. Well, when we run low on assets. We don't have a system in which everyone plays a specific role to perform a specific duty without which the whole system suffers. We have no concept of that in the modern West. The cultural norm now is everybody who isn't the 1% performs all the duties all the time. And if we don't do them well, we get blamed for the outcome. And the whole system does suffer for that. But those who sit at the top, stay at the top. This is not Fehu. I don't even think it's Fehu reversed, if you're into that sort of thing. But how can individuals ever have balanced Fehu if we're forced to participate in a culture that doesn't support balanced Fehu? I actually do have an answer to that question. When I hear most people talk about Fehu, it's money, not money on a personal scale. I have it. I don't have it. Apart from the fact that that gross oversimplification of the meaning of Fehu cuts out the tending and spending aspects of managing assets, I mean, we have to balance that flow healthily, right? We have to have healthy attitudes toward wealth 
just as much as we have to have healthy attitudes toward the lack of it. And in order to bring a healthy balance to that, we have to realize that our individual relationship to Fehu is and has never been separate from a collective relationship to it, from the community relationship to Fehu. It just looks separate from the outside because we only ever hear the success stories of people who were already at the top. They already had privilege to bump them where they are. We never talk about the privilege aspects of Fehu, that in order to tend assets, you first have to have them. And to get them, there has to be a willingness to show support for community and for what you bring community and what community brings you. That interlacing has to be there. And what I mean specifically by that is you have to be willing to pay for what you value just as others must be willing to pay you for what you bring to community. It is not separate. That is in part what makes a community a community. We hear about toxic capitalism all the time, how it's flawed, racist, sexist, ableist. It's set up for those at the top to stay at the top and for those at the bottom to support those at the top with no chance of moving up. What we don't talk enough about is toxic consumerism, and that's expecting everything to be free. It's, it's an inherent inability to value what you give and what you receive. It's an inherent drive to want, 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 without valuing it all. And, and that's ego, right? There's nothing soul or mindful about living at, living at, about living or looking at life that way. It's not living in the present and it's not an animistic awareness. It becomes really easy to believe that we don't owe anybody for their work when we're strapped for cash. Yes, I get it. I totally get it. Yet we feel the literal harm and disenfranchisement from not being personally valued. We don't make enough for the work we do, for the effort we put out. And that's true for, for most people who aren't in the 1% right now. Yet that devaluing of what we bring to the system leaves us likewise thinking we can't support others. I don't have any money. I can't pay her. But we have to support each other. We have to be able to break the cycle by showing support and asking for what we need in return for our work. When we start to talk about Fehu at a collective level, we see how the personal values affect it, yes? You start to see where you really don't value what you do on the planet because you don't ask for what you deserve for it. Or maybe you haven't valued what other people do or, or what the world would look like if either of you suddenly went away. You, what you bring to community, this other person, what they bring, how would your community suffer if it wasn't there anymore? They who's not just about assets that we must tend. It's about valuing what we have and what's in our lives, valuing what in our communities inspires us to keep on keeping on, to keep doing the work that we do. And keeping on is also why we have assets. 
Fehu is also about realizing the value of what others in the community do, realizing that it would all suffer if it stopped. If you stopped, if they stopped. We have to find the way to support each other, and we have to demand that we be supported. And the way that we do that is by creating realistic ways to value each other, to show each other support. In Runic Book of Days, for the Fehu devotional, I talk about how when we really start to assess our assets, we eventually verge beyond the wallet to what we as individuals bring to the planet. It's a big leap, but it is a leap that happens when we really work the model that Fehu gives us. And we begin to value in ourselves and in others that we all have a calling that no one else can do. We start to realize nobody else can tell us what that calling is. We can only feel it between the things we think we know. We feel it in the gap, like I've been saying for several weeks, when we're still, when we're mindful. The book's devotional for the Fehu Half Month focuses on coming into that very still, quiet sense of self. Call it what you will. The true self, the high self, big me, sacred self, all that you are. The call to action for Fehu is learning how to bring that sacred self forward into an actionable expression of the communal self, the place where you are not an individual anymore and you know it. You're in that animistic network and you're living it. So let's backtrack for just a second. Fehu is about assets that need to be tended. Its charge is for us to learn how to do that, to get the skills to understand our assets or our lack of and all of the places that we can still give no matter what's going on. There is going to be tithing in life, whether you're a member of a church. It's not the point. You know, we all talk about tithing like it's a church thing. No, no. Support your community. If you can't give money, then thrift the nice stuff that you don't need anymore. Volunteer. The next time soup is on sale at the market, get three extra cans and donate them to your local food pantry. Or, or if somebody spends an extra few minutes talking you off the ledge, buy them a coffee. Do something to, to consistently show your community support for the individuals in it or, and for the community itself. It does not have to be a massive expenditure from your bank account to show support. This is how you value other people so they can keep doing what they do. Likewise, if you provide community support, if you already volunteer, if, if you're whatever it is, if, you, if you're the chauffeur for, for people who otherwise would not be able to get around, it's okay to ask for support in continuing to do that. It really is okay to be compensated for what you do at a level that people can handle it. It's also okay to have boundaries around what that compensation looks like. This is how you value what you bring so that you can keep bringing it. Fehu teaches us to cover the bases of formed being first for ourselves, yet we're never isolated. We're part of a collective 
and how we tend ourselves must be for the benefit of the whole. Fehu comes first in the traditional order of the elder Futhark, because in order to be ready for all that really deep spiritual and emotional exploration that the runes demand, you have to be really grounded in Midgard. You need to know who you are, what the hell you're doing here, how you're going to keep doing it, and to be able to provide support for other people to go through that same process. Your needs have to be well met here first, and you want the needs of your community to be met too. You want it to be fit for how it grows and how it manifests collective calling. Oh, there's a concept. We're all here to fulfill a collective calling. Support your people. Ask for support. That's how all of us are able to show up well. And I want to close the episode with the Fehu half-month affirmation from the Runic Book of Days. The light shortens slightly. Warm brightness illuminates that I am enough. That's it for this episode. If you have questions or insights about working the runes in season, or you just need a cheerleader, feel free to email me at kelly at solentonarts.com. Or you can call in through the Anchor app, which is how I record What in the Weird. And you can download Anchor on Android or iPhone. Also, check out earlier episodes by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes and all those other platforms for podcasts. If you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, which I co-host with a couple of other lovely ladies, Brandis Schnabel and Janet Roper, which is also on Anchor. And other podcasts you may enjoy are Around Grandfather Fire, hosted by James Stovall and Sarenth Odinson, and Why Shamanism Now, hosted by Christina Pratt. You can learn more about me and my work by visiting solentonarts.com, and I'm most active on social media at Instagram at Kelly Soul Arts. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird. <laughs>